Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. Well, take out those notes you got on your way in today. We are a note-taking church. You're four times more likely to remember it if you write it down. And we are going to start a collection of, 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 of sermons over the next month that I believe will really, really help you in a very crucial area of your life. And when I do a series on this, normally it's about every year and a half or so on this topic, it's usually one of the most shared messages. And what I always hear is, man, I wish I would have heard it when I was 20 or 25, but I'm hearing it now when I'm 50 and I'm trying to apply it. And it still works at 50, but it's better if you apply that 20. And we have titled today's series that we're going to launch out of order, out of order. And we are going to be dealing with all things when it comes to money and finances and trying to get your life in order. And I'm glad we're doing this in November and not in January, because I think you can end this year strong so that you can walk into 2024. So, um, healthier and better than ever before to receive all that God has for your life. And, and, and I want you to think of things in your life that are out of order because many times God won't bless your mess. And if you're praying, you're like, God, I need your blessing in my life. It's like, get it in order right. And I was thinking of things that are out of order. And maybe some of these come to your mind too. When I was thinking of things out of order, I think of, of this. I think of that ice cream machine at McDonald's. Come on, how many know that it's just never working? There's nothing worse than you want to look. That's a little McFlurry, and they go, the machine is out of order. I'm like, you're out of order. It's a problem. There's a problem. I, another thing I was thinking of, what's something that's broken, something that's out of order? I thought about this place right here. Maybe, maybe that place is a little broken. <laughs> Can we get an amen? It's a little out of order right there. Huh. If you live in the Tampa Bay area, when I was thinking of things that are out of order, I was thinking of what we call malfunction junction. It's 275, it's this place, that's out of order. And it will be fixed one day when your great, great grandkids live here. It's out of order. And when things are out of order, they can't receive the blessing that's intended for it. And, and I really believe that God wants to, he wants to bless your life. And he wants to bless your marriage. He wants to bless your, your finances, your health. But you got to get things in order. Now, normally the pushback I get when the church talks about issues of finances and talks about kingdom principles when it comes to your money, normally the idea is like, man, the church should not talk about money. Here's the reality. The reality is the church should talk about whatever you're dealing with right now because God's word is filled with solutions to whatever problem you have in your life right now. Actually, I bring up this biblical stats. It's pretty interesting that two out of every three of the parables that Jesus taught dealt with money and stewardship. One out of every 10 verses in the gospel deals with money. 2,300 verses in the entire Bible talk about finances, which by the way, that's five times more verses that talk about finances than they do of prayer and faith. That's a big deal when it comes to the idea of money. So if God has a plan for it, then we want to figure out what that plan is so that we can apply it to our life. Now, there is a pushback when it comes to the fact that people go, well, Aaron, I don't want anybody telling me what to do with my money. It's my money. And if that's the case, then I would totally agree. And in this series, I won't talk to you at all about what you should do with your money. But the problem with it is as Christians, <laughs> it's not your money. 
It's not your money. And the Bible's very clear in Psalm 24. It says it this way. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it and the world and all who live in it. Like, like it belongs to the Lord. And if it belongs to the Lord, then we've got to understand that if it's God's, then he has a way for us to handle it that is correct and that will position us for all that God wants in our life. Billy Graham said it this way. If a person gets his attitude towards money straight, then it'll help straighten out almost every other area of his life. So if you even have a moment right now where you go, well, I can't believe this Sunday I came to church, they're gonna talk about money, then you're probably the one that needs to lean into it more because it exposes in us the fact that there's something inside of us that doesn't wanna surrender this area to the Lord and I'm gonna try to get it straight in your life and we're gonna get you in order, we're going to get you set up so that you can experience the blessing of God in every area of your life. Are y'all with me today, church? So, so, so I, I wrote down today's title as this. It's simply four spiritual solutions to your money problems. Four spiritual solutions to your money problems. Because money problems are the worst type of problems. And if, you've, if you're married, you know that, no, that probably the thing you fight about the most, it's money. The thing that keeps you up at night the most, it's money. Money is one of those things that brings so much anxiety and worry and stress to your life because money really, I mean, it, it can, if you got some, can solve a lot of those problems. And if you don't got them, it brings a lot of pain in your life. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you what God's solution is to, to money problem. But I want you to understand this. I'm not going to give you some silver bullet that solves your money problems today. Because, let me just say, those don't work. You didn't get into this overnight, and you're not going to get out of it overnight. You've got to learn to work the process of figuring out what does God want me to do so that I can walk into all that he has for my life. This is also not going to be one of those moments where we say, if you sow a seed today of $700 to God be the glory, then you can get a check in the mail for $7,000. By the way, that is foolish and does not work, by the way. That is messed up the church for way too long. This prosperity idea that God wants you healthy, wealthy, and wise at all times. You look at the scripture, suffering is part of the process. There's, there's issues all throughout it that there's gonna be times that, man, we're gonna have to rely on God and depend on God. But what I want is I want even in your seasons that there's a struggle for you to say, my life is blessed. God's hand is on my life. And I want you to look back and say, I've had plenty and I've had lack, but God's hand has been on my life. I've had a lot, I've had a little, but God's hand has been on my life. So I want you to realize that God's got a way for you to live that'll bless your life, that'll position you for all of his blessings in your life, but it's not gonna happen overnight. Proverbs says it this way, dishonest money dwindles away. So you tried to win the lottery, you didn't win the lottery. But by the way, if you won the lottery, you're still gonna dwindle away really quick. You get rich quick, it's gonna dwindle away really quick. But whoever gathers money, and look at this phrase, little 
by little, little by little. There's some work that goes into it. I'm going to be faithful day after day. I'm going to put in the hard work to be all that God has called me to be because a financially blessed life isn't achieved in a day. It's achieved daily. It's by applying God's timeless principles that are mentioned in his word and saying, every day I'm gonna live life God's way instead of the world's way. I'm gonna be disciplined, I'm gonna work hard, I'm gonna be adamant on doing life God's way, and when I position my life God's way, then I'm able to experience the blessing of God in my life. So we gotta change the ways that we're dealing with money because our money problems are real. I looked up some of them, student loan debt right now. The average when you graduate college is $38,000. God help us. $38,000. So you're starting in the negative. Credit card debt right now, the average is $7,200. Some of y'all are like, ah, let me tell you, I'm the upper end, upper end of that right there. It's, it's everywhere. We swipe, swipe, swipe for it. Living paycheck to paycheck, that's 64% of Americans right now, living paycheck to paycheck. No savings at all in their account, not one bit of savings, 25%. So you gotta take the room you're in, a quarter of them having zero money saved for whatever is gonna happen in the future. 70% of Americans have savings, but not enough to last them over a couple months in case something happens. The world is struggling when it comes to their money. Generosity, the average American is generous with 2% of their income, 2%. The church ups the game and is generous with about 5% of their income. What would happen if we lived a generous life? Can you imagine the impact we could make on a lost and dying world if we learned to be generous? But we're not doing it God's way, we're doing it our way, so we gotta find some solutions in the scripture. I'm gonna give you four of them today. They're right there in your notes, and I'll go through them pretty quick. The first spiritual solution we see throughout the scriptures is tithing. Tithing, and I wanna to talk to you about this because it's, kinda, it's become like this dirty, controversial word, and it's not. It's not a law throughout the scriptures. It's a principle that we see way early on that has been practiced all throughout history. It's still practiced today. It's endorsed by Jesus. And here's the benefit of tithing. Tithing puts God first in your finances. So when you tithe, you're making a decision to say, I don't know what's gonna happen in the future, but I'm putting faith in God. I'm putting faith in God. I learned this from my parents. I saw it modeled by my parents. We grew up in a, um, my, my dad owned car businesses, like sketchy used car businesses. And so we would always, it was always feast or famine. And if you're from a home of an entrepreneur, or maybe you are an entrepreneur, you know, there's like really, really great seasons and really, really tough seasons. And I remember even in the toughest of seasons, my parents always had unbelievable peace. So when I found out, I was like, why? Why do y'all have peace? And my mom would always respond the same way. We have peace because we're tithers. And I'm going, I don't understand that. What does that mean? She's like, every Sunday when we come to church, and this is like in the days when you just like pass the buckets, you know, and, and we would have those days. She's like, I, I, I remember, I'd write out my tie check. And so I remember sitting there and I started sitting there and you know, kids, if you've got little kids, you can't get away with anything because they're nosy. And I was that nosy kid. I was like, well, I want to know how much my parents tithe. So I remember watching. And I remember looking at that check being written. And it was a big check. And I remember looking at that check. And I remember thinking about all the things throughout the week they told me I couldn't buy. <laughs> you told me I couldn't go to that place with my friends because we didn't have any money for that. 
and you told me we couldn't buy a dog because we didn't have any money. That's, that's a lot of money right there. And I remember confronting my parents one day going, man, why do y'all give so much money? They go, no, no, we're tithers. That's God's money. We, we submit it to the Lord. And when God is first, we've just seen the rest of our life blessed. So in good seasons and in bad seasons, we're, we're set up for the blessings of God because God's first in our life. Martin Luther says it this way. There are three conversions necessary. The conversion of the heart, the mind, and the purse. And a lot of y'all, you've had the heart and the mind being transformed. And you go, God, everything you have is yours. And God said, well, what about the tithe? What about the first 10%? What is that part that goes to him? Here's what the tithe is. Write it down. The tithe is the first percent, 10% of your income. The tithe is the first 10% of your income. I want you to see which is the crucial word in that phrase right there. It's not 10%. It's the first. It's the first. And I want to say it this way. Everybody tithes to something. Everybody tithes to something. The problem with it is very few tithe to the Lord. So the first 10% is going somewhere, but is it going to somewhere or someone that can actually help you with the rest of the 90%? Because real, the reality is, as many of us tithe to the mortgage, we tithe to our retirement, we tithe to debt, we tithe to Starbucks, we tithe to entertainment, we tithe to all these other things that get the first and then we're frustrated because of the rest. Here's what the truth is. Whatever is first is my God. I'll say it this way. Whatever is first is where you find your comfort and your security. So if you give your first to anything other than the Lord, it's you're, sh you're saying, it's that which I find my comfort and my security in. So we give it to all these other things and we wonder why the result of our life is anxiety and panic and worry and fear. Why? Because our first went to something that can never lead you in your life. It can never provide for you in your life. So the tithe is a beautiful picture all throughout the scripture of people coming to the Lord and saying, God, you're first in my life. You're number one in my life. Look how it says it in Deuteronomy. It says, you must tithe all of your crops every year. Bring this tithe to eat before the Lord your God at the place he chose at his sanctuary. So he says, man, you bring it to your church. You bring it to the place that feeds you, that, it, that, it, that you're raising your family at. It belongs into the local church. And then it says, this applies to the tithes of your grain, your new wine, your olive oil, the firstborn of your flocks, of your herds. Now, obviously, this was an agricultural climate and culture. So I would appreciate at Radiant Church, you don't bring... Your, uh, your, your olive oil, your firstborn of your flocks, your herds, and like you're just dropping it off in the foyer going, this is what he told us to do. We understand it's not how it works today. But he says this phrase that is so beautiful and so awesome. If anybody ever asks you, why do you tithe? Why do you give? Why do you honor God with the first? Here's the phrase that I always use. Because the purpose of tithing, look how he says it in Deuteronomy, is to teach you to always put God first in your lives. So when I tithe, I'm making an act of faith to say, God, you are first. And when you are first, it's in you I find my security and my comfort and my hope. And I'm putting faith in you. And it takes faith to give God the first. But when you put faith in him, the 90% goes further than the 100% without his blessing does. Amen. So if you want to see God's hand on your life, you give God your first. 
Malachi 3 talks about the tithe. That's probably the most famous phrase in scripture about the tithe. And it's the only place in the Bible where it says, God says, test me in this. Test me in this. And he goes, and see if I'll not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, there won't be enough room for it. I don't know about you one in your life. I want in my life that there's so much increase and so much blessing in my life that there's not enough room for it. Why? Because I, want, I realize there's a lost and dying and broken world out there that needs Jesus, that needs missionaries sent, and needs the, the poor taken care of, and needs, and needs problems solved. And we solve it by having increase in our life. How do we get increase in our life? We give God our first, which by the way, interesting fact that people that do tithe are 40% more likely to have a budget and handle the rest of their money. Well, why? Because they learned to honor God with the first. Now they're going to take care of the rest better, which by the way, that's why we do a 90 day tithing challenge at our church. Thousands of people have taken this tithing challenge. And what we do is we say, take a season of time to get your life in order like get it in order where God's first and we're gonna challenge you. I actually put together a whole series of videos. There's about 10 videos they are about three minutes or so or a piece and it gives you some cool illustrations and some cool principles of how to do this well. You can sign up for it right there. Nobody's gonna knock on your door like, hey, you told the church they're giving 10%. It's your time, own up. Like we don't. That's not what this is about. This is between you and God to say, God, I'm gonna test you in this and I'm gonna get my life in order. When you tithe, tithing says, God, you're first in my life. Y'all still with me? All right. But uh, spiritual solution number two is budgeting. All right. Let me say it very clearly. You can tithe and stay broke. <laughs> and I've seen it happen. By the way, that's where the prosperity gospel went wrong. It went wrong in a lot of places, but let me tell you where it went wrong. It went wrong with, if you give a check, your life is going to be blessed. And that ain't true. Because you can, you can sow the seed, but if the rest of your life is in chaos and out of order, there ain't no way God's going to bless your life. And there's no way that God's going to pour out provision in your life. And here's what budgeting does. Budgeting provides a plan for financial health. And you need a plan. Because stewardship of the resources that God has given you really matters. And how you handle what God's put in your hands really, really matters. Tithing positions you for the blessing of God, and it positions you as God first. But now, the rest of that 90%, that's where you're going to have to be found a good steward to say, what am I going to do with this to handle it well? When Katie and I got, uh, uh, we moved to Tampa, we lived in South Tampa in a little rundown little apartment for a while, and then we finally were able to buy a house. Saved up enough, we bought a house out in Riverview. And I remember we bought our first time and my dream with our, our home there in Riverview was that I would be able to have a hot tub. I was so excited. I was like, God, I want a hot tub. Like I've made it. I've saved up. So I went on Craigslist and um, these are the days of Craigslist. Okay. Thank God that's kind of died out. But I went on Craigslist and I found a hot tub for sale for $300 in Tarpon Springs. It was in a mobile home park in Tarpon Springs. This lady said, you can come over to my house and come get the hot tub. I was like, this is sketchy as can be. And I went over her house and I go to her backyard and with a cigarette dangling out of her mouth, she was showing me her hot tub. And I kept thinking, I'm like, God, I don't want to know what's happened in this hot tub. <laughs> I don't want to know anything. But, but I bought that hot tub for $300. Me and my friends loaded it up in a truck and we brought it to the house and we go to turn that thing on and it, it turns on for about five minutes and dies. 
Well, I have to call a company. They have to come out. They charge me hundreds of bucks to, to get the thing up and running. It goes up and running. A few days later, it dies again. I go online, go on YouTube. I figured out how to fix an hot tub. Your, your boy knows how to fix hot tubs now. I went on there. I'm fixing the hot tub out. It would run for a day or two. It died. That thing ended up sitting in my backyard for a year and a half until we moved out of that house, and it finally went to the dump because I refused to put money in that stinking money pit called the hot tub because it was going to keep breaking breaking down on me. I wonder how many of your lives (laughs) and God keeps blessing you and giving you increase and giving you breakthrough and you keep just being that hot tub that doesn't know how to handle it. And you keep breaking down after breaking down after breaking down. You're going, I don't know why God's not blessing me anymore. I think he's probably not blessing you now because of how you handled what he gave you then. So stewardship really matters. That's why Luke says, Whoever can be trusted with very little, guess what? That person can be trusted with very much. And by the way, that's everything. That's when it comes to your, your, your health, that comes with your influence, that comes with your business, that comes in every area of your life. You can be trusted with little, you can be trusted with much. And if you're dishonest with very little, guess what? You're going to be dishonest with very much. And then he goes on to say, if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? What a convicting scripture right there. Like, like the way we handle what God's put in our, our hands really, really matters. Haggai says it's so amazing. He says, you're going to earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. And isn't that how you feel at times? Where you feel like, I just, I can't get ahead. You know why you can't get ahead? Because you're, you're a purse with holes in it. And God keeps pouring out his, his provision because he says, he said he would provide for you. So he provides for you, but where's it at? You ever got to the end of the month? You're like, where did it all go? You're a person with holes in it. You know where it went? It went right to Target. It went right to Starbucks. You're like, but my friends were all hanging out. I had to hang out with them. You know what it was? It was, you're a person with holes in it. You don't know how to handle what God's given you. And if you can't handle the little, he can't give you much. And I want my life to be able to handle a lot. I'm telling you that the, the reality of how God's blessed our church, and I'm just talking about financially, I'm talking about even with every location, with you. The, the reason that God has given us the opportunity to care for the, your soul was simply for the fact that I remember the days where there was just a little bit of us, but that was a big deal. Every single person that walked through the door, I was like sitting in the front of the door like, thank you so much for coming. I'm so glad you're here. Can I get your number? Like, let's hang out afterwards. They're like, this pastor's a creep. But I knew God would never give us the city and would never give us the region and would never give us Florida if we don't handle the little that he's given us right now. And it's the same with your money. Handle with care what God's given you. You're like, I'm believing, I'm naming and claiming a brand new Mercedes to God be the glory. (laughs) Cool. How are you handling the Corolla he's giving you right now? No knock on Corolla, but you got the idea. So you got it. The way to do that is you have to have a budget. Budget. I know it's a dirty word for a lot of y'all. Here's what the goal of the budget is. And if you don't get anything else in this message, get this phrase right here. This is the goal of the budget, is to remove waste and increase margin so that I can pay off debt and become radically generous. 
I'm gonna leave it up on the screen for just a second at all of our campuses because I want you to take a picture of it or I want you to write it down. This is the phrase. When you go to just spend your credit card, you should, you should have this just somewhere written or, or typed out on your wallet. No, 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 I'm on a budget because I want to remove waste. I want to increase margin so that I can pay off debt and I can become radically generous. And, and I think many of you are not generous, not because you're stingy, but because you're strapped. And if you would stop getting strapped and get on a budget, and a budget's so beautiful because a budget says no to things that you wanna say yes to, but the budget says no. So it's like, hey, you know what? I, I, I wanna go get my nails done. And you just go to your spouse, you go, I'm sorry, you wanna get your nails done. I would love it. I would, I would be all about you getting your nails done. But budget said no. <laughs> Who's budget? Budget's our budget. Well, I'm gonna go play golf again today. Oh, I, 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 honey, I would love for you to go play golf. But budget, remember? Budget said no. Budget said no. Budget says no to things right now so that it can say yes to things in the future that really matters. Let the budget run your life. It'll help you. It's about stewardship. I gave this about a year or two ago when I was talking to people. They're going, there's like, you don't understand. I'm so tight. There's no way I can pay off debt. I created 10 ways to create margin in your life. I'll throw them out there on the screen. I said, you could cut coupons. You could buy some used clothing. Um, come on, somebody. Like, this is all available. You could eliminate streaming services. Some of y'all got, like, you canceled cable. You're like, I canceled cable. And you added eight streaming services. <laughs> like, um, you can eat at home. I mean, crazy idea. You can pack your lunch. It's just crazy. Like, PB&J is still a good sandwich. Come on, somebody. It works. Get out of debt. Cancel your fancy coffee. I know we, we ripe, uh, gripe on that a lot, but order your groceries online. Uh, Katie and I do this, and it's so, so crazy because when we don't, and I, if I tell her, and I say, Katie, I'm just going to run to the store and get some groceries, she knows we're going to get back, and like, we're going to fall back on our budget because that is like an unhealthy thing. I go through that grocery aisle, and I'm like, I need this, I need this, I need this. When you order them online, first of all, you can find deals and BOGOs and all those kind of things, but you can also find ways to not get those impulsive buys. Um, and then you can carpool. You can find ways to people that in carpool so you don't spend so much money on gas. And pick up a side hustle. Come on, somebody. You're, you're under 30. You got some energy in you. Pick up a side hustle. Get some, get some extra money in the bank. And you go, I've tried all of those. And let me add an 11th one. 11th one, you can um, sell your cat. Come on, somebody. That'll help you right there. Just, just get some money. It's just come on, to God be the glory. If you've never gone through Financial Peace University, um, we always challenge people, go through FPU. FPU is a way that'll help you. And we're, we're, we're getting kind of a pool of all the people that want to be part of it. This doesn't sign you up for it, but, 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 but get into the group so that they can connect you. They'll figure out and they'll launch, tell you when they're launching. We're launching some groups in, in the, the new year. And so if you want to be part of those groups, you want to be the first ones in, you have to sign up for FPU today. And then we'll get you in the groups when they launch. And if there's enough people interested, we might even start some earlier than that. Get on a budget. How we handle something is how you'll handle everything. So you go, well, well, when I can afford it, you know, no, no, what about what you can afford right now? That's how you should live. And get on a budget and watch that spiritual principle make an impact in your life. Y'all still with me? Say yes. Yeah. Number three, spiritual solution number three is saving. Saving. Now, I don't like this one because I like to spend what I got. But it's a biblical solution to our money problems is you save. And the benefit is that it prepares you for the unknown. It prepares you for the unknown. The world is crazy. 
And because the world is crazy, I'm telling you, you're going to need to be prepared for what's coming in the future. And I hope it all turns out great in the next few months or the next year or two. But the reality is, is there's problems ahead of us and the church needs to prepare now for that. And I grew up in the culture where we were called rapture culture. I don't know if anybody grew up in rapture culture. Rapture culture is like we thought the rapture was going to come back. I mean, Jesus was coming back. We were going to get taken up any moment. And even in children's church, we had a thing called rapture practice. Y'all know anything about this? We would in worship, they go, rapture practice, you have to jump up and down like you were getting taken up. Talk about fear. We were all crazy. You woke up, you didn't find your family one day, and you're just like, oh, you missed it, missed the boat. Tribulation's coming. Now listen, I believe Jesus is coming back. I believe we're, we're closer than we were yesterday. But let me just also say it this way. There was a whole generation that was so bought into that that they never saved for the future. <laughs> and they're suffering now and they weren't able to take on the opportunities now that they, that they should have because they were so like, oh, we don't need to prepare. No, it's, preparation is very biblical. Preparing for the future. The Bible says it this way. Ants are creatures of little strength, yet they store up their food in the summer. Like, imagine this, the ants don't have an iPhone and they don't have a calendar, and yet they can feel the heat and they can go, oh, this is a perfect time to get food, but I bet there's gonna be cold coming, so we better be prepared for it. And yet the ant can do it, but we can't do it. And I'll just say, if you're in a season of increase and blessing, I, I hope it lasts a long time, but there's always moments where things kind of fall apart and how you handle what God's given you right now will dictate how you're able to live in that future trial and that future tribulation that is coming. It takes work to make money, but it takes wisdom to save it. And a lot of you all are missing out on the wisdom to save for the craziness that's coming in the world today. All right, I, I wrote this down, and um, it's not in your notes, but it's a game changer, and I want you to get it. A secret to success that you probably never thought about is that successful people saved when others spent. And they purchased when everybody else was broke. I want you to think about that. They saved when others spent and they purchased when others were broke. Most successful people were able to jump on opportunities because they saved when everybody else was spending like crazy. And there's opportunities and business ideas and potential that's coming in the future for your life. You've got to be a person that goes, I'm going to prepare now for what God could open up then. Which, by the way, a year ago from now, we had zero potentials for facilities in our church. But we were saving. Actually, if you don't know how our church does our budget, we, we budget 90% of our previous year's income. So that's how we set our whole budget. Then in that budget, the first 10% goes right away to missions. The second 10% goes to savings so we can prepare for whatever opportunity God has for us. Well, we did that for years after years after years, and then God opened up the opportunities. West St. Pete, those in Clearwater, those in North Tampa. Right now, I'm going to give you some in a few weeks. God's opened up some massive doors that, for our church that are unbelievable, and I want to be prepared for them. The only way to do it is you got to save now, and it's the same way to do it with your life. Put it away. Get it ready to go for what God has in the future. You're really, well, I don't need any opportunities in the future. Well, the Bible says a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. So if you don't want to save for you, that's okay. Pass it down to the next generation and the next generation after that. People should be better because of how you invested in their life. Number four, we'll close it with this. We talked about tithing. We talked about budgeting. We talked about saving. And here's your last spiritual solution is generosity. Generosity. 
We're generous, not because the church needs it, and we're generous not because even the world needs it. We're generous because here's what generosity does. Generosity overcomes greed and creates eternal impact. It is always our tendency when God blesses our life to make that blessing about us instead of about the broken world that's around us. And when greed is rising up in our heart, we overcome greed by being radically generous to the world around us. So the question you should ask yourself when God blesses your life is simply this question, what is the more for? What is the more for? Because if you do it God's way, if you tithe, then you're putting God first in your life. If you get on a budget, then you're getting your debt removed and creating margin. Then if you start saving and you've got some savings put away and get it ready to go, then you're going to have some increase in your life. And God's going to look at that and go, that's someone that I can pour increase into their life. When you have increase in your life, the question is always going to be, what is the more for? What is the more for? What is the more for? And my challenge for you is to look at ways around the world to say, God, how can I be a person that walks in generosity? That I can make the world better, that I can make people better because of how God's done something great in my life. The Bible says it this way, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be, what's the word right there? Generous, so you can be generous. On every occasion, like every opportunity you find, you can be generous. So that through your generosity, and that's my prayer. My prayer is that through the generosity of Radiant Church, it will result in thanksgiving to God. Let me tell you, there's a lot of ways you can be generous, especially in this season. We, we talked about our Spread the Joy campaign. There's people in your family that need it. One opportunity to be generous is a month away. It's in our annual legacy offering, and you'll hear more about it. This is an opportunity to accelerate the vision of our church. So if you're going, Aaron, I want to find a way to be generous, that's the way. It's one Sunday that accelerates the, ge- the generosity of our church. So just pray about it. We will never tell you what to give. We will never guilt you into it and shame you into it. We will unashamedly ask you to ask God to say, God, what would you have me do so I can be a generous person? Because I'm telling you, generosity will overcome greed in our heart. And it builds up for you a legacy of what the Lord wants to do through your life. Here's my last challenge for you. In a world that makes so much about materialism and what we can get and what we can have, here's my challenge for you when it comes to money. Your last takeaway, ready? It's that you need to worship with your wealth but don't worship your wealth. So find a way to worship with your wealth. When you give, and you'll get an opportunity today, but when you give any time, it's an act of worship with your wealth. But don't worship your wealth, because it's not about what we can acquire here on earth, it's about what we can do to impact for the kingdom of God, and for His glory, and for His honor. Can I hear a better amen today, church? Why don't we do this? Just close your eyes, sit there right in your seat. I'm gonna ask Candace. I'm just, in the last minute I have with you, I just want you to have a moment right now because some of y'all are in financial turmoil. Your life is out of order. You saw the four points right there. One of them you need to get straight in your life. And I just want her to sing it over you that I trust in God. This is what it's all about.
right there in your seat. Just tell him, Lord, in every season, in every area of my life, Just in the last two minutes I have right there in your seat, uh, you go, Aaron, when it comes to my finances, I haven't trusted God, whether it's through the tithe, whether it's even through budgeting or saving or being generous, but I'm, gonna make it, I'm making that commitment today. Just right there in your seat, just, just commit to the Lord saying, God, I'm gonna be obedient when it comes to doing life your way, finances your way. Lord said, I can, I, I can stop living out of order of your blessing, but I can be a person that you can truly trust it's not that God doesn't love you. He loves you so much. Can he trust you? Lord, I want to be a person you can trust. In Jesus' name. With every eye closed, every head bowed, if you're here today and God's not first in your life, that's why Jesus came. Jesus came to take our mess and to be the sacrifice. He's the, he's the tithe. He's God's first. He's God's best. And he was sacrificed for your sins and for mine to take your mess and to bring it about and make a miracle in it. But now it's up to us to surrender our life to him. How do we surrender our life? We say, God, we're gonna put you first. We're gonna surrender our sin, our past, our issues, everything to you. And I believe God will meet you right there in your seat. If that's you on the count of three, I want you to throw that hand up and say, Aaron, today's my day. I want you to pray for me. I'm giving Jesus my life. I'm putting him first place in my life. And watch what happens when God becomes first. The rest of your life is blessed. If that's you on the count of three, come on, throw the hand up. One, two, Three, if that's you, throw that hand up. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. All of those campuses, just throw that hand up, put it right back down. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's all pray this together. And let's, let's really not just pray it together, but really believe it with our hearts. Say, dear Jesus, today, I'm gonna give you my life. I give you my sin, my shame, my guilt. I surrender to you. I put you first. Thank you for dying for me. And I choose to live for you for the rest of my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody that believes it says, amen, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.